morning in a different capacity. Um, to any guests that we may have here this morning, uh, in person or online, my name is Ryan Lane. I'm one of the elders here. I uh, typically help lead the music, uh, but today the task is to preach the word. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. And um, I have to give this disclaimer, though. Uh, my community group this week has encouraged me to be myself as I preach this morning. I can feel the cringes happening right now. So I believe the term is, may the Lord help us all um, if I am uh, myself. Very encouraging, uh, very kind of my community group to, to say that. Obviously, um, personalities and styles, we're all different. All the elders that preach here, we're, we're all different in how we um, speak, maybe, and, and words that we use and emotions, different things. But what is the same is what we have uh, sung about this morning, um, Scripture alone, Christ alone, all of these uh, solas, these uh, things that we think about on Reformation Sunday, all of these things are what we desire to come uh, from this, this pulpit, not, not someone's personality or style. Um, so uh, the, the word alone to be lifted high and the gospel to go forth, as we've said today. So we're in Colossians, uh, Colossians 1 still. Um, at this pace, it's going to take us uh, a little, little bit to get through this smaller letter from the Apostle Paul, but it's because it's so full of riches and depth and uh, truths that we just can't uh, skim over. In fact, uh, we'll be in verses 9 through 12 this morning, and each verse, in fact, each part of the verse, like 9a, 9b, could be a sermon un unto itself. There is so much truth and so much rich um, language here that Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives to the church at Colossae. So for just a reminder for us, uh, Paul wrote this letter. Uh, Timothy is mentioned as well to the church at Colossae. Paul has likely never been to uh, Colossae, but yet he's writing to them because of the things that he has heard from Epaphras, which we looked at last week, uh, the testimony that's received from, from that church and how the gospel has reached them. Paul is likely you know, under house arrest or in prison as he writes this. And they here in this letter, in this section, uh, are thankful for the church. And this letter is intended to encourage and perhaps warn them at the same time. Uh, some scholars believe that, uh, well, they call this a preventative letter. Uh, because as we'll see in chapter 2 of Colossians, uh, Paul references the influences that may be trying to come into the church. Some false teachers perhaps, because they use the language, let no one sway you with plausible arguments or the philosophy of human traditions. So this letter is intended to encourage and yet warn of the potential or the false teaching that would be um, trying to infiltrate the church. And the false teaching, uh, it's not clear, but, but it's probably a mixture of paganism and Judaism uh, for the, the type of population, the, the people that lived in that area. It's a reminder for us that even in the early church, there was uh, false teaching and those that attempted 
uh, to pervert the gospel, influence people, and pull them away from sound doctrine. It was true in the early church. It was true in, in Luther's day and all of the, the great reformers. And it's true in our day. Uh, that has not changed. There is no shortage of false teaching out there that would desire to influence us and pull us away from the firm foundation that we just sang about, the truths that we have in God's word. So last week, James Douglas preached on the gospel and how it came to the church at Colossae. They heard, they believed, and Epaphras was uh, key in that, that gospel going forth, bearing fruit and growing. Today we will see Paul in a different, different way, his prayer for the church. And we'll be looking at five different themes. Um, this is not intended to be like the solas. This is just the five themes that uh, play out in these four verses. We're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be talking about being filled. We're going to talk about walk. What does it mean to walk? The next we'll talk about is being strengthened. And then the last is qualified is our last theme that we'll be talking about this morning or, or looking at. And as I said, each of these could be a sermon un, unto themselves, so it's, it's quite a task for us to walk through these this morning. We will not go to the, the depths of the knowledge here. We will only be able to scratch the surface. But uh, as Paul intended in this letter, it is good for the church at Colossae, and it is good for us to hear today. So let's read Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. Verse 9, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your work throughout history. As we have your scripture to see how you worked in the creation, before the creation, how you were at work. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, doing a work that would bring glory to each. We are so thankful that you have given us your word. You gave it to the church, Colossae, through Paul's letter to so many churches. And we have it here today that we can read, we can study, we can understand. And we could know you. We could know who you are, your attributes, your character, your nature. And that our lives would be transformed by hearing it and reading it and knowing it. And I pray, Lord, as we walk through this this morning, Keep me from error. May it not be 
my words, but your words. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So our first uh, theme, our first word here is prayer. And that's verse 9a. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So, and so is what the ESV says. I like the NASB and maybe a different translation says, for this reason. For this reason, it's a bit more descriptive. Uh, For what reason and, and what did they hear? All of the reasons that we saw last week that James walked through, verses 3 through 8. The reasons were this faith that they had in Christ, the love that they have for the saints, the hope they have in Christ, the gospel bearing fruit and growing. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul, Timothy, and Epaphras, so they're they're in prison. Epaphras, uh, some agree or disagree that he may have been with them. That's how uh, they got the message uh, of the church at Colossae. But they are praying uh, because of these things they heard about the church, and they're praying without ceasing. And we, we hear that language a lot in Scripture, that we are to pray without ceasing, but have we ever stopped and thought about that? What does that really mean? Uh, did they hold all-night prayer sessions, all-day prayer sessions? They didn't have anything else to do, I guess, in prison. One would sleep, one would pray. Maybe they, maybe they did that. Or maybe the heart of praying without ceasing means that we must always be in a state of prayer. Our hearts, our minds throughout the day, we have an attitude of prayerfulness, continual fellowship with God. All of us are busy. We have busy lives, and um, it, it's easy for us maybe to compartmentalize our, our prayer life, our time with the Father, because we're, we're too busy at work. Uh, we're too busy um, teaching our kids, raising our kids, doing the uh, tasks that life bring us. But we're not to turn off you know, our, our faith and our, our prayerful hearts and then turn it back on when we're at church or we're at Sunday school or we're at community group. It's to always be a part of us. It's to permeate our lives. We talked about it um, Wednesday in community group, how the gospel converted people, we don't uh, turn it on and off. It is always a part of us, the gospel. And prayer as this means of grace that is a blessing to the believer and to the church should always be in our hearts and always be on our lips, ready to share, ready to pray. And quite often we uh, reserve prayer for a last resort, right? It's our last method of defense that we have. We've tried everything else. Okay, I guess I'll pray now. And often we pray for things um, when, when things are going wrong when there's a illness or perhaps a tragedy or a suffering of some kind. And yes, we should pray during those times. But so often we, we reserve that, that time of prayer for difficulties or struggles. Uh, the elders, you know, we get texts throughout the day, uh, throughout the week of something that may be happening or going on that we are, we're called to pray for. And uh, we'll respond praying. That's, that's our typical response. We are praying. 
And we do pray. It's vital. It's important when things are, are bad, things are uh, difficult. You're going through struggles. We're praying. But here we see Paul um, being encouraged by the news that he's hearing uh, at the church. And his prayer is for them to, you're doing well. Keep it up. Keep going. Don't grow weary in this well-doing. Continue on. We are so blessed and so thankful to hear this good news, this good report from you. Continue on in this. And so we pray. We are called to pray. Paul is a clear example of, of how we pray. Christ himself taught us how to pray. We see his heart. We see his uh, praying without ceasing in his entire ministry, right? He was one with the Father in communication with him. Uh, we see it in John 17, the high priestly prayer. John McCartney, he spoke a few weeks ago on the importance of prayer uh, from Colossians 1.3, how we as your elders are called to pray for you, Acts 6.4. This is our prayer for North Hills as well, that we, all of us, would seek to pursue... Uh-oh, I got my pages wrong. See? We, uh, as your elders, uh, pray for you as a church, but we also pray for one another. Praying for one another. I mentioned community groups several times. Community groups is one of the times that we gather together. We share a meal together, typically, and then we share life. We share our issues, our concerns, our struggles, perhaps, that, that we're facing. And I hope, I pray, that you're using that time and community group to pray for one another, to lift each other up in prayer, to walk with each other, uh, to care for one another. It's a beautiful way that we do that here at North Hills. Um, and it reminds us that we must be willing to share our burdens, to share our needs with one another. We are not all-knowing, so it's important that we share our concerns with our brothers and sisters. And you do that so well as a church. And it is a blessing to be able to pray uh, for you and be able to pray for one another. This morning, I stopped into the uh, Lady Sunday School in the back, uh, back of the sanctuary back there, and I was able to hear from uh, Miss Gloria Brown, who we're praying for and her health. And her, uh, she has a biopsy coming up, so be in prayer for her. Uh, we heard from Miss Minerva. She's about to get her neck brace off in a week. So we are thanking the Lord for his grace and his kindness in, in that. And so prayer, constant prayer, continual prayer without ceasing is what we are called to do. Some scriptures here that, that uh, you can write down if you'd like. 2 Corinthians 1.11 says, You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Philippians 1.19, Paul says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So, our first thought, our first theme here is the word prayer. As Paul, Timothy, and Epaphras were praying for the church at Colossae, we too must be a people of prayer for our local body 
and for other believers. Now, the rest of the text that we'll look at today is um, focused on what they were praying. It's clear they were praying, and the rest is what they were praying. Next word here is filled, verse 9b. Uh, says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Filled. The Greek word uh, for that is plerao, plerao, which means not just filled, but filled completely or to be totally controlled. So this word, this idea of being filled is to be totally controlled by something or someone. This word is used in other parts of the New Testament. John 16, 6, when Jesus was speaking to the disciples about leaving, about having to go away, uh, the disciples were filled with sorrow. They were totally controlled with sorrow. Luke 6, 11 is when the Pharisees were one of the times where they were wanting to kill Jesus. They were filled with rage. So they were totally controlled with rage. And then Acts 4.31, the Holy Spirit comes on a particular group. They are filled with the Spirit, totally controlled. So Paul prays that they be filled. Filled with what? Filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the knowledge of his will. The word knowledge that's used here is epignosis, which means full knowledge. Um, it's an emphasis on that word knowledge. And then Paul adds two words after that with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The word wisdom here means the ability to collect and organize principles from Scripture. And then the word understanding, how do we apply the applications of those principles in our life? So Paul is praying, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this, again, you'll, you'll sense a theme here as I go throughout this, is our prayer for North Hills as well that all of us would seek to pursue God by loving his word and desiring to study his word, finding that knowledge that Paul is praying for here. And I love how he added wisdom and understanding. It's not just a knowledge for knowledge's sake, which uh, quite often we like to fill our minds with, with knowledge of different things, but it takes it another step. It goes deeper. And again, it, it saturates and, and desires to permeate who we are. This should be the desire of all believers to seek a deeper knowledge of God from the scriptures and have a deep understanding, uh, wisdom and understanding. Because as we've said this morning, the scripture is our source of truth, is it not? There are many today, there are, there are many, countless throughout history, uh, apparently the false teachers there at Colossae who would say otherwise. 
that is not just one source. It is not just the source, the scriptures. There are multiple places that we can get truth. And uh, truth today, I know this is uh, a overused or used a lot argument, but there's a reason uh, it's used a lot is because it is, it is fact. It is true. Uh, truth is a relative term. You know, you have your truth, the things you believe. I have my truth, the things I believe. Maybe it's experiences that we have in life. And, and those things can divide, divide us so easily. We get, get bent out of shape. We get upset if someone doesn't agree with our truth. But we're basing those things not on any type of firm foundation, no uh, central truth. It's based on what we've learned, what we've understood understood or or searched over here this person over here we must have a single source of truth and that is sola scriptura scripture alone this must be our source so knowledge as we pursue this knowledge the knowledge of his will the question that um, has been asked for for some time how do we know the will of god as a young person, I remember asking that question. How do I, how do I know it's God's will? How, how do I decide on, on this um, decision I have ahead of me? Where do I find that answer? Um, of course, I would have preferred a sign, uh, you know, a clear sign, a writing on the wall or, or whatever um, means that, that the Lord desired to use to tell me the answer to that problem. Um, the, the scriptures how they, they give us answers to so many things, they don't give us the specificity, I guess, that we desire maybe today. Do I, do I marry this person? Do I take this job? Do I um, buy this particular thing? Do I make this decision regarding, you know, for our family homeschooling or, or whatever that decision is? Um, the, the scriptures don't necessarily speak specifically to that. Yet, the scriptures do tell us who God is, his attributes, his character, his desire for his people, his will for us in Christ Jesus. There are countless verses there that do point to this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And in order to see this truth, to find this truth, we must seek the source. We must read his word and seek after him in this deeper knowledge. So what about us? What about us North Hills? How do we pursue this deeper knowledge of God? What are, uh, there are some ways that we do it at our church. We have our Sunday morning gathering. This time right here is a time where we seek to go to Scripture and go deeper in our understanding and meaning of it. Our Sunday morning Bible study, you just came out of that time. And that's a, a more intimate, a, a closer time that we teach, you know, various ages. And there are different things being studied throughout uh, our campus here this morning. Uh, Tuesday morning, we have men's Bible study where right now we're slowly walking through the, the scriptures. We're in Matthew right now. Women's gathering meets uh, every month and they seek to gather together to fellowship and then to go deeper in the truths of God. And that's not to mention the countless other meetings that go on in our homes or maybe in our workplaces. 
And then also there is our personal Bible study, our personal study, time of study and prayer, which are vital uh, for us as believers as we pursue this knowledge. It's great to do it corporately together, but we do it personally as well. So all of this, all of these ideas and these thoughts is Paul's heart for the church to be filled, to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I'll repeat it often, that's our desire for us as well here at North Hills. The knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Our next thought here, our next theme is walk. Verse 10. Verse 10a says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. The NASB says, So that you will walk. So we've got this deep knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul's prayer for Colossae continues to build gaining this deeper knowledge and applying those to our life, we will walk in a manner worthy. So what does this mean to walk? Uh, Deanne and I like to walk uh, for exercise. It's something we did yesterday. We try to do it as often as we can. Um, But it is not talking about a physical exercise, a physical walking, but it is our actions, our behaviors, our thoughts, how we live, that is our, that is our walk. Um, it references here a, a Jewish oral tradition uh, called the Halak, which was an oral uh, speaking of how the Jewish uh, people uh, guided their behavior. And it was, it was called a, a walk. So it reminded me of, of the old saying or the old adage, uh, we talk the talk, and then do we walk the walk? We understand it, we have a knowledge of it, but do we believe it? Do we live it out? It's a head knowledge, but do we actually live it out day to day? So what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him? If you're like me, that, um, that task, that call, uh, sounds impossible, right? How I am so unworthy, how can I walk in a manner that is worthy of our Lord and Savior, Christ. And yet, at the same same time, Paul calls us. He is praying this for the Colossians, and it is to us as well. We are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Paul, Paul is calling the Colossians to walk as Jesus walked, to live as Jesus lived. And how did Jesus live? He was led by the Spirit. He was in constant fellowship, as we talked about earlier, constant fellowship with the Father. He had knowledge. He had wisdom. He had understanding. He walked in a manner worthy. And we are called to walk as Christ walked. As believers, um, just practically speaking, our lives should be different, right? Several other passages throughout Scripture from Paul, we are called to be set apart, to be different 
from the world. Now, this is not in a legalistic or a self-righteous way. Uh, that would be a sinful uh, act. That would be sinful. But we as converted people being led by the Spirit, walking as Jesus walked, our lives will be different. Some ways that we walk. Scriptures, uh, we can reference here, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, we walk in humility. Uh, Romans 13, 13, we walk in purity. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, we walk with contentment. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith. Ephesians 5, 2, we walk in love. And as uh, we're discussing here, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32 is a, a whole passage that talks about walking differently from the world, differently than the world walks. So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, verse 10b, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit. As we walk, we should bear fruit. James preached last week, and he spoke of the gospel and how it bears fruit and increases. It grows. And we as Christians should also bear fruit as we walk through this life. And the next question, how do we bear fruit in every good work? Well, I believe we read this last week, John 15, verses 4 through 5. Christ says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we abide in Christ walk by the power of the Spirit and fruit in these good works that are prepared for us as, as Justin read in our call to worship these good works that are prepared for us will be present in the life of a believer and the last part of uh, verse 10 there increasing in the knowledge of God Paul again refers to this knowledge this growing understanding of who God is so think, if you are a believer in here, think on your life. Think on the walk that you have had as a believer. Are you walking today as our Savior walked? Are you bearing fruit in every good work? Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? Paul is praying that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And we pray this for you. We pray this for our church as well. Our next word here is strengthened. Verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. The word strengthened. The word strengthened here refers to a, a continuous action. It's not just a one-time uh, infusion of strength, uh, one-time power boost, but it's a continual, a continuous action of strength being poured out uh, 
to the believer. Uh, to strengthen your physical muscles. This is theory for me now, so, I, so I've heard. Uh, you put them under continuous physical exertion. This exercise um, done over time will build muscle. In a similar way, our spiritual muscles are also built up over time as God pours out his power and strength, strengthens us from his power. And what is this power? Pretty obvious, pretty simple answer. God's power is given to us by means of the Holy Spirit, a member of the Trinity. Some verses that point to this and, and remind us of this. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. In Romans 15.13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit when we are converted but as we live out our life, our walk, our Christian walk, God continues to strengthen us over time as he builds us up in the faith. As we see in this uh, next section of verse 11, we desperately need his power. Verse 11b uh, talks about for all endurance and patience with joy. The Greek words for um, endurance and, pa and patience, uh, it's also used the term there, steadfastness and patience. Both are closely related, closely related words in the Greek. And both words refer to patience while enduring trials. Several weeks ago, John reminded us, uh, John McCartney reminded us that a Christian grows through trials or through suffering. Our spiritual muscles, as weak as they may seem at times, are increased and power is given as we walk through trials and through suffering. Perhaps as you walk, uh, look back on your walk with the Lord, you're reminded of those times of suffering and how you grew closer to the Lord and your spiritual muscles were strengthened. But then, uh, as, as Paul and the writers of the, the scriptures like to do, they, they add words in here that cause us, or cause me, discomfort. Uh, Paul adds two words after endurance and patience, with joy. To walk through trials, uh, suffering, and to add the term with joy on it to us, to the world, seems uh, insane it seems counterintuitive yet as we've stated before we are not like the world we experience the Christian life uh, with power and we experience the trials and sufferings with joy one that probably has come to your mind James chapter 1 2 through 3 
I believe that's uh, a book that's being studied in Sunday morning Bible study. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So there's something being produced. There's something that's growing when we experienced experience trials of various kinds produces patience produces endurance steadfastness is it not difficult enough to endure times of suffering and yet Paul desires the church he desires us to do it with joy so that begs the question how how do we do this I have experienced suffering in my life but there are those in here that I'm looking at now you have experienced far greater far greater a struggle far greater a suffering that I have experienced and I have seen many believers throughout life experience these times with great joy and that is such a blessing to the body to be able to walk with someone through those times and joy obviously I hope you know doesn't mean excitement yeah I'm happy about my sufferings I'm excited about my trials it's good good that this has happened to me on on some level that, that might be true but but it is a deep abiding joy understanding where these trials even come from they are given to us perhaps by, well, by the Father, and for us to trust Him and understand Him more fully as we walk through that time. I've read a lot of verses today, but if you want to turn to Romans uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Paul says here, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And here it is, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the scripture is clear. We go through these trials, these sufferings. They produce endurance, patience, And we do it with joy because of the hope that we have in Christ. So, think back on your life. Remember the times when you needed to be strengthened with all power as you endured trials with joy. Praise God as He has strengthened you and He continues to strengthen us with all power. That is Paul's prayer, and that is our prayer for you, church. So last, but certainly not least, the word qualified. 
verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Some translations say qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The word qualify is the Greek word hikanao, means it means to make sufficient, to empower, to authorize, to make fit, to qualify. Have you ever had to qualify for something? I think of a, it makes me think when you hear the word qualify, you think of a sporting event, perhaps in the Olympics. Um, you have to qualify to move on to the next round. Um, or with the uh, elections coming up, um, we were talking about uh, the elections this morning, uh, Deanne and I, uh, the candidates who are running for office have to qualify. They have to, to meet the requirements to be placed on the ballot. To qualify means you meet some standard that has been set by someone else. Paul here gives thanks to God for qualifying the church for qualifying you and the church at Colossae as well as us today before Christ saved us we in fact were not qualified we disqualified ourselves because of our sinfulness God had set a standard that um, all, all we had to do to meet God's standard was be perfect. That's all, that's all it took to qualify to have fellowship with God. Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden had perfect fellowship with God. And all they had to do was obey God's commands perfectly. And yet they could not. They listened to the serpent, they ate the fruit, and they were uh, cursed and sent out, and there was separation. So they, through their disqualification, and to us today, we were disqualified from God's standards. We had no hope. But, again, as Justin read, Ephesians 2, but God. He had to intervene. He had to step down. And through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, do the work we could not do and qualify for us what we could never hope to attain. Romans 5, 6-9 through 9, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And once we are qualified, what do we receive? We receive the inheritance. The inheritance of the saints in light. And what is this inheritance? 
Well, an, an inheritance is typically something of value, right? It's something that is cherished, it's treasured, be it money, be it um, antiques, wh- wh- whatever it may be. Uh, it's, it's gifted to you, and it's something of value. The inheritance here is not something that is perishable, but imperishable. We receive Christ himself as our inheritance. Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 1 Peter 1.4, An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. We share this inheritance with the saints in light. The saints are the other believers, the other children of God, the elect, those who are in faith in Christ Jesus. All of those who were once blind but now see, placed their faith in Christ alone from the the beginning of time to today. And I love the word light, uh, what it what it says here. Uh, the light means truth and purity. God has revealed His truth to us, and we have been made pure because of Christ's finished work on the cross. So as I summarize and conclude here this morning. If you are not in Christ, you are disqualified. It does not matter what you bring to the judge. You will never measure up. Not church membership, not baptism, not your family, name. Nothing but Christ himself can make you qualified. But the beautiful thing, the good news, the gospel is that you place your faith in him, repent and believe. He makes you qualified instantly. It's not years. You don't take years to attain some level of perfection, Christ plus all of these other things, and then perhaps you'll get to be qualified. Christ's work is sufficient. It is enough to save. It is all we need for salvation his righteousness is imputed to you and you are qualified to share in the inheritance with the saints in light if you are not a believer today i implore you i pray that you would look to christ today if you are a believer i pray that you would rejoice as we take communion here shortly and remember what christ has done for us for his body for the church you would rejoice and thank him that you are qualified because of what Christ has done. So our five words that we walked through this morning, prayer, the power, the importance of prayer that we see Paul praying for the Colossians, and then what he was praying, praying that they would be filled, filled with the knowledge of his will and wisdom and understanding. Pray that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Pray that they would be strengthened with all power as they suffer, as they endure trials. And praising God and thanking Him that He has qualified them to share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ.
So as I close today, I uh, believe it's uh, good, and I believe it's uh, right. I'm going to pray this scripture, essentially. I'm going to pray these words over us, over you, North Hills. Um, heard it years ago, and it's a good uh, one of one of the good things I heard from this person. If you pray the word of God, you are praying his will. And that is what I desire to pray uh, for you and for us this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, for this reason, from the day I heard, I pray now and will continue to pray for our brothers and sisters here at North Hills and all believers I ask that they may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of you, O Lord, fully pleasing to you. I pray that they will bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of you. I pray they may be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I give thanks to you, our Father, who has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And I ask all of this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.